Hello, welcome back everyone to the I Listen to Everything podcast. Back to regularly regularly scheduled programming this week. <laughs> Why? What happened last week? <laughs> I mean the freak ice storm. <laughs> uh, this week I was much more prepared. I have a topic that I am very passionate about this week. So it may be a longer episode just because of my own biases. Oh, okay. <laughs> this week we are talking about New Wave. Cool. Specifically, 80s New Wave, because that's when the like genre sort of started. Um, I know that there have been other New Wave artists throughout the 90s and 2000s and whatever, but we're going to be talking about the 80s in this episode. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. So New Wave is a loosely defined genre that encompasses pop-oriented styles from the late 70s and 80s. It was originally used as a catch-all term for various styles of music that came after punk rock. So there is a term that's called post-punk, which is like a genre of, of music that emerged in the late 70s that departed from punk's traditional elements and raw simplicity to a more like experimental approach and like avant-garde sensibilities and non-rock influences as well. But New Wave specifically... It was used for popular styles of music that emerged during like the 1980s that included power pop, synth pop, ska revival, and some specific forms of punk rock that were less abrasive, but sometimes also viewed as a more accessible counterpart of, of post-punk. So there is a little bit, a little bit of a difference between post-punk and new wave. New Wave commercially peaked from the late 70s into the early 80s with many major artists and a lot of one-hit wonders, which we'll be talking about <laughs> today. <laughs> and MTV promoted many New Wave acts. MTV launched in 1981. So this was when New Wave, like... New Wave was popular throughout the 80s. And yeah, MTV started in 1981. The first music video that ever was shown was a New Wave uh, band, we're going to be talking about that one later. Yeah, sounds good. And then it declines in the mid-80s with the emergence of different genres that came about, like new romantic, new pop, and new music. But there has been a resurgence since the 90s due to a growing nostalgia for new wave artists. So in terms of the characteristics, new wave is very like quirky, lighthearted, and humorous often. And like we said before, it's very pop-oriented. There's a lot of electronic sounds as well with the synthesizer and all these other um, electronic instruments that they used at the time. Mm -hmm. There is a distinctive visual style in music videos and fashion. So I think what most people think of like 80s style comes from new wave. So like neon colored graphics, big shoulder jackets, tight pants, <laughs> zippy retro like James Dean style hairdos. Icy synth, li synth lines and uh, Claude Montana inspired. Claude Montana is like a fashion designer from okay. the late 70s and 80s. It's not Adam Montana's grandpa. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, nepotism. That's how she got into the business. <laughs> All right. So also um, there's this there's like this twitchy, agitated feel of a lot of like new wave singers and artists so like the talking heads the lead singer david byrne is known for this he has like a very weird way of dancing uh and then there's choppy rhythm guitars with fast tempos keyboards and stop start song structures and melodies the vocalists were very high-pitched geeky and suburban um most american male new wave acts were from white middle-class backgrounds who intentionally exaggerated their nerdy tendencies associated with their whiteness 
to criticize it and reflect their identity, which was a nervous, like nerdy personality. Um, so some examples of this would be the Talking Heads, Devo, Elvis Costello. Basically, there's like this sort of robotic dancing, jittery, high-pitched vocals and clothing fashions that hid the body, such as suits, like big suits and big glasses. Yeah, so a lot of the first new wave artists were British, but then there were a lot of American artists that came about afterwards. New Wave has some of punk's DIY philosophy, but it's more influenced by the 1950s styles and 1960s pop, and was opposed to the more abrasive political side of punk. When I think of that, I think of like the B-52s and their like 1960s mm-hmm. style. Right. It was radical to audience who were accustomed to the more macho cock rock. We talked about that in an mm-hmm. earlier episode. Yeah. That basically emphasizes an aggressive form of male sexuality. So it was against that. And there is a crossover of pop and rock with African and African-American styles. So some examples of this are Adam and the Ants and Bow Wow Wow, who used Burundi-style drumming. Uh, Talking Heads as well has an album called Remain in Light, which melds a lot of new wave and African styles, although the drummer said that he found out about this after the fact. So, I don't know. (laughs) He denies it, but uh, yeah, we're going to listen to some of those songs today, and you'll notice the um, African inspiration. But let's get into the history. So, new wave starts in the early 70s, Uh, The term new wave doesn't necessarily describe a single style, but it sort of like draws a line in time, according to music journalist Park Pewterbaugh. There is also a scholar named Theo Kataforis who said that the term was used to commercialize punk groups in the media. So punk rock or new wave bands overwhelmingly expressed their dissatisfaction with the prevailing rock trends of the day, which we talked about earlier. Uh, They viewed bombastic progressive rock groups like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and Plink Floyd with disdain and instead channeled their energies into a more stripped back sound. But the media portrayed punk groups like the Sex Pistols and their fans as violent and unruly, and eventually punk had this like stigma towards it, especially in the US, that made a lot of the music unmarketable. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a number of bands such as The Cars, The Police, Elvis Costello, and The Attractions soon emerged, who combined the energy of re- and rebellious attitude of punk with this more accessible and sophisticated radio-friendly sound. These groups were lumped together and marketed exclusively under the label of New Wave. So this is where New Wave comes from. Okay. In 1973, critics were using the term New Wave to classify New York-based groups such as the Velvet Underground and New York Dolls, and the non-punk groups that are associated with CBGB, which is this New York club that played a lot of... Um, it, it was a New York, music, New York City music club that was a famed venue for punk rock bands, Uh, but also Talking Heads and Blondie and Mink DeVille. There's also a proto-punk scene in Ohio. That's where Devo is from. Mm -hmm. Also the Electric Eels. And they're also classified as New Wave. And CBGB owner Kelly Crystal thinks of the beginning of New Wave as the time when Television, which is another band, played their their first show at his club in 1974. So it sort of starts in like the mid-70s, but it definitely gains a lot more attention in the late 70s. So from 1976 to 1977, punk and new wave were used interchangeably for different groups. The term appeared in UK punk fanzines in 1976 that were used for bands that were related to the punk music scene, but not exactly punk. The time period after punk rock in Britain of bands that wanted to make music that was more polished, such as Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, 
the Human League, ABC, and Depeche Mode. So all of these are a little more flamboyant compared to traditional rock, uh, sorry, traditional punk rock bands. And in the U.S., Sire Records had a Don't Call It Punk campaign, believing that the term punk would lead to poor sales because radio consultants had advised their clients that punk rock, punk rock was just a fad. So that's when they started to call things New Wave. The term was named after the French New Wave movement of filmmakers in the late 50s. Both New Wave, the movement in France, and the music genre were anti-corporate and experimental. American writers first used the term to describe UK bands, but later used it for acts associated with the CBGB scene, and many people view the genre as a much-needed return to the energetic rush of rock and roll music of the 60s that had dwindled down in the progressive rock and stadium spectacles of the 70s. So at the end of 1977, New Wave had replaced punk as the term for new underground music in the UK. XTC releases This Is Pop as a direct response to tags such as New Wave. So Andy Partridge, who's part of the band XTC, says, uh, let's be honest about this. This is pop that we're playing. Don't try to give it any fancy new names or any words that you've made up because this is blatantly just pop music. We were a new pop group, that's all. So he's like, no, this is pop music. And he's like, sort of like, we're not part of this new wave or whatever. We're just making pop music. In the 1980s, new wave gradually loses its association with punk in the early... Yeah, in the early 80s, sorry. Every new pop rock act during that time was tagged as new wave, especially especially if they used synthesizers in their sound. Yeah. <laughs> so basically any band in the 80s that had synthesizers, new wave. Automatically. Yeah. In 1983, the U.S. music industry prefers the term new music to categorize new movements such as new pop and new romanticism. In Britain, they start calling it synth pop. I noticed that a lot with a lot of bands. Yeah, like, sure. They'll say that, yeah. new wave or synth pop. Uh, according to music critic David Smay, he wrote in 2001, the current critical thought discredits New Wave as a genre, deriding it as a marketing ploy to soft-sell punk, a meaningless umbrella term covering bands too diverse to be considered alike. Power pop, synth pop, ska revival, art school novelties, and rebranded pub rockers were all sold as New Wave. I don't know if I necessarily like agree, because I think like although a lot of the bands maybe sound different i think there's sort of like a similarity with all of them as well so he's saying like oh it's just the term that they used for all the bands at the time but i think there's sort of like a maybe. something to be said for you'll let me know i mean i know you you don't really listen to that much new wave not so really, no. we'll see what you think all right so in the u.s in 1977 Acts associated with New Wave didn't receive radio, airplay, or music industry support, so there were small scenes in major cities, but public support was limited to artistic, bohemian, and intellectual populations since arena rock and disco were dominating in the charts in the 70s. 1978 into 1979, Blondie, The Talking Heads, The Police, and The Cars charted during this period, so they started to receive radio airplay. Mm -hmm. um, the song My Sharona by The Knack, I don't know if you know that one, that was a very big one, yeah, uh, was the, the number one single of 1979. The success of this song and the fact that new wave songs were much easier to produce propped, uh, prompted record companies to sign many new wave groups. So that's when the new wave scene started to develop in Ohio, and some artists who weren't part of new wave started to make new wave music such as Billy Joel, Donna Summer, and Linda Ronstadt. In the 80s, the influential radio consultant Lee Abrams wrote in 1980 that the U.S. won't be seeing new many new wave acts making it big here. 
What a bold thing to say, because that's the opposite of what happened. <laughs> Radio stations were banning disc jockeys from using the term. But then second albums by successful new wave artists and those who were newly signed were failing to, sail, to sell, and most stations pulled their new wave programming, including Devo's Whip It. Interestingly enough, the song Whip It is like a misunderstood song that is satirizing American optimism. You know the song Whip It by Devo? I would have to hear it. Okay, well, when I play it, you're probably going to know it. But for everyone who does know the song, there's violent undertones in the lyrics. So the process of whipping it to solve one's problems as a sardonic portrait of a general problematic aspect of the American psyche. The predilection for using force and violence to solve problems, vent frustration, and prove oneself to others. I thought that was really interesting. I I never realized that about the song, but it makes sense. (laughs) Uh, Okay, continuing with the history. In 1981, New Wave's most successful era in the U.S. This is New Wave's most successful era in the U.S. because of MTV. So there's also something known as the Second British Invasion, where British acts knew how to use their music videos to outmarket and outsell American artists. So music videos were like a big part of New Wave, mostly because of MTV being big at that time. Uh, MTV continued its heavy rotation of New Wave videos until 1987, until they changed to a more heavy metal and rock-dominated format. And unlike other genres, apparently race did not play a factor into the popularity of New Wave. So a lot of urban contemporary radio stations, urban being a synonym for black music, mm-hmm. were the first to play dance-oriented New Wave artists such as the B-52s, Culture Club, Duran Duran, and ABC. New Wave songs were often used in films as well. So if you think of films like Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, The Breakfast Club, a lot of movies by John Hughes and like the Brat Pack films... John Hughes really loved British New Wave artists, so he loved Psychedelic Furs, Simple Minds, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, Echo and the Bunnymen, and this really helped keep New Wave in the mainstream because these movies are really popular, and they still are to this day. Critics described MTV acts as shallow or vapid, and a lot of the times there were homophobic slurs used to describe some New Wave musicians, and we'll see later that there were a lot of musicians that were queer or that were like gender-bending and like very androgynous, so that's why. But the danceable quality and the quirky fashion appealed to a lot of audiences as well. So in September of 1988, Billboard launches its modern rock chart, which had a variety of stylistic influences. New Wave's legacy remained in the large influx of acts from the UK, and the chart's name reflects the way that New Wave was marketed as modern. So this was the new modern music. It was New Wave music. After the 80s, there are a lot of revivals and influences as well. Indie and alternative rock is heavily influenced by New Wave, although it declined in popularity after the mid-80s and it was replaced by guitar-driven rock acts who were reacting against New Wave. There were, like, British Music Press launched this campaign to promote the New Wave of New Wave, so (laughs) basically, like, British alternative rock bands of the 90s. They were heavily influenced by New Wave, um, but then that was quickly eclipsed by Britpop, which is another very popular yeah. genre of 90s UK music. The synthesizer heavy dance sounds of British and European New Wave acts influenced Eurodisco and trance. And in the 2000s, there's the new New Wave, which is basically just a continuation of music that could be traced back to the mid 80s. And electronic music, of course, in the mid 2000s, New Rave combines new wave with elements from indie rock and electro house and adds aesthetic elements from raves such as light shows and glow sticks so a lot of the electronic aspects aspects of new wave are um, very influential to this day yeah for sure yeah okay so next i just wanted to talk about so the um 
other research that I did for this episode besides Wikipedia is this book called The Encyclopedia of New Wave by Daniel Buchspan uh, with the foreword by Gerald Casale, who is from Devo. I want to talk about what I learned about from this book. Uh, basically, it's an encyclopedia of new wave. So like you have pretty much every artist you can think of who's part of the new wave genre. But also it just talks about like the history of it and like the different aspects that really were influential in this genre. So first off, what I want to talk about is some very influential new wave bands, but also my favorite ones. <laughs> so Talking Heads, of course, were very big. They were the ones, one of the bands that played at CBGBs in the 70s. The singer and guitarist David Byrne, is that how you say his name? I could be saying his name wrong. Honestly, I feel like I say a lot of names wrong. You probably do, but it's okay. And that's because I mostly read things and I probably should watch things more. But anyways, David Byrne, <laughs> drummer Chris France, bassist Tina Weymouth formed the group while they were at the Rhode Island School of Design. So artsy people. Psycho Killer was one of their first songs. Critics loved it. <laughs> Singling out Burns' intellectual lyrics, nervous vocals, and enigmatic stage persona. They collaborated with producer Brian Eno on their next album, which is called More Songs About Buildings and Food. It's a great name. <laughs> and he really helped the group develop this unconventional sound in rock music. So there was like African polyrhythms and percussions in the song Once in a Lifetime. And the disorientation that this music caused mirrors the lyrics in the songs about like alienations and midlife crisis. And Brian Eno recorded music in the studio in a different way. So in like a non-linear fashion, he directed the Talking Heads to record rhythms and jams with no start or end point and then these recordings were then used as the foundation for the songs in the same way that samples are used in hip-hop mm. which is pretty cool i didn't know that yeah. okay then we have devo my one of my favorite bands of all time yes, they are. <laughs> their name comes from the concept of devolution the belief that humans have not evolved but have rather degenerated into a more conformist shell of itself <laughs> I never do that. Yeah. So that's why they like dress up in a uniform with the hats. They look like ridiculous, mm -hmm. but it's supposed to be like a satire of like, well, I think it's society, but probably because they're American and American society. Mm -hmm. They made their music to reflect this idea. So the music is like free of groove or emotion and sounded more like an assembly line product versus an artistic endeavor. And you can definitely see that with their cover of Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones, if you listen to the two songs, mm -hmm. their cover is definitely, like, no emotion, just very, like, assembly line, like, I love it. It's one of my favorite covers of all time. And they all dress in identical jumpsuits and covered their lacquered hair with terraced hats that they called energy domes. <laughs> so those famous hats that they wear, that's what they're called. The band was founded by Gerald Casale in 1973, who was an art student, again, artsy people, at Kent State University, and Mark Mothersbaugh, who was on vocals, along with their brothers on guitar, who were both named Bob, and <laughs> Alan Myers on drums. And their, their debut album, Are We Not Men? We Are Devo, is recognized as one of the most influential albums of the new wave genre, and is one of my favorite albums of all time. I can listen to every single song, no skip. <laughs> and their breakthrough on their second album with the song Whip It, which was famously used in a 2005 Swiffer commercial. So I don't know if you remember that commercial. I might. It's like 
deep in my brain right now. Maybe when we play the song later, yeah. you're going to remember. Another band I want to talk about is Blondie. They're one of the most influential new wave bands named after what construction workers used to call Debbie Harry when she walked down the street. So Debbie Harry is the lead singer of the mm-hmm. band. Yeah. And she has a very like iconic blonde, like platinum blonde hairstyle. She's also very pretty, so of course they would catcall her. And um, she was interviewed once on what it's like being a sex symbol, and this is what she had to say. This is a direct quote. Uh, Why don't you go fuck yourself with a double water-spurting, pulsating, rubber-motorized, body-temperature dildo? Then and only then will you know the truth, the answer you have sought. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Okay. Parallel Lines was their breakthrough album, which featured three of their best-known songs, Hanging on the Telephone, One Way or Another, and Heart of Glass, which we'll know those songs. I feel like a lot of the songs that we're going to play today, you're going to be like, crap, this is a song that I've heard (laughs) at my jobs working retail. (laughs) I feel like that's going to happen a lot today. Okay, so later songs like The Tide is High and Rapture helped bring reggae and rap to mainstream white audiences for the first time. Okay, and the next band is uh, the B-52s. They were unlikely candidates for mainstream success because they had a very, like, weird, like, kitschy sound and vibe that was equal parts surf music and the theme from the 60s TV show The Munsters. I don't know, this is what they talked about in the book. I've never heard that theme song, but they definitely have a very, like, 60s vibe and, like, their weird hairdos, like, the 60s big Mm -hmm. bouffant hairdos. But their music is, like, well, I mean, I think with the song Love Shack, that's, like, a very big party song, so Mm -hmm. that's probably what got them very popular. Uh, Their first self-titled album and second album, Cosmic Thing, had popular songs such as Rock Lobster, Love Shack, and Rome. So like we talked about earlier, we talked about how there was a lot of homophobic slurs that were used against new wave artists. So there was a lot of gender bending, even though this era in the 80s was a very like conservative time in the US. It was the, it was a Republican era and probably a re- reaction against all of the, the civil rights successes of the 60s and the 70s. But despite that, there were a lot of queer and artists who didn't conform to like the way they're supposed to dress in, in in terms of like their gender. So Grace Jones is very androgynous. She wore oversized men's jackets with huge shoulder pads and she had a very high and flat flat top and this created like a sense of power and fearlessness. Annie Lennox of Eurythmics also had a very androgynous appearance, most obvious in the music video for Sweet Dreams Are Made Of This. And there were a lot of artists who were queer as well. There's Mark Almond of Soft Cell, Neil Tennant of Pet Shop Boys, Jimmy Somerville of Bronski Beat, and also Communards, and Boy George, of course, from Culture Club. And then music videos. Music videos were a very big part of New Wave. So the very first music video that was played on MTV, do you know what it was? Mm, Don't know. It was Video Killed the Radio Star. By who? I think it's The Buggles. How do you spell that? It's by The Buggles. B-U-G-G-L-E-S. Okay. Okay, I thought you would have known that song. But anyways, the the title of the song, Video Killed the Radio Star. It's ironic because that was the first video that I ever played on MTV. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in 1974, Russell Mulcahy was commissioned by the Australian music show Sounds to shoot footage to accompany the hits of the day. So essentially, he was asked to create the very first music videos, which was the medium that helped pioneer the most instrumental tools for breaking out new wave talent. The first ever music video played on MTV was Video Killed the Radio Star, which was directed by Mulcahy. 
1979, but the video was played in 1981. Mm-hmm. There's also some some iconic videos of the time or music videos of this time are uh, Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer from 1986. So in this video, the singer performs the song backed by these heavily made up supermodels holding electric guitars. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I watched I watched all these videos just to like prepare myself for this uh for this episode and i had never seen that one before and all the comments were like love this video super simple but great great concept (laughs) yeah so it was very simple but very successful so much so that weird al parodied it with uh a song called addicted to spuds (laughs) (laughs) um and then there's hungry like the wolf by duran duran so most uh, music videos had very low budgets, or new wave music videos, I should say. They were very low budget, like. but this one was not. It was filmed in Sri Lanka. It was $200,000, the budget. But it was on heavy rotation on MTV until grunge came along, so it was very popular. And then we have the song Whip It by Devo. This was very low budget, only $15,000. The basic theme is Mark Mothersbaugh using a bullwhip to remove a woman's clothing. Uh, the video was offensive offensive to some, but MTV still played a lot because they didn't have much else to play at the time. And then there's the iconic video Take On Me by AHA with the, the live action and anima- animation pencil drawings. As I was watching it the other day, I was like, this music video is like well, probably one of the best videos of all time. And then I looked and it was like on a list for like best music videos of all time. And I was like, that makes sense. So if you've never seen that video, uh, I suggest you go watch it. I think it's still entertaining to this day. And then M- Madonna, Madonna's song Material Girl. Madonna is like a pop star, but like she sort of gets she, her music at this time is also sort of lumped into New Wave mm-hmm. because it was obviously very 80s sounding with the synthesi- synthesizers and all that. Um, but this music video is almost an exact replica of Marilyn Monroe's performance in Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend from Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, the movie from 1953. And the video was vital to Madonna's control over her, over her image. She showed that she was aware of how she was perceived and that she could handle it. And then there's also Voices Carry by Till Tuesday. I watched this one and I was like, wow, this is a very intense video. It's it's from the perspective of an abused girlfriend whose boyfriend is controlling her. And um, yeah, I was like, wow, this is a heavy topic, but it was a very well done video. There's at one point, because she has like a very iconic 80s look, the singer in this video. And she had like this weird like spiky hairdo with like one long strand of braid, kind of like a rat's tail. (laughs) And but her boyfriend is not like he doesn't like this. And he's like and at one point um, they're in this like fancy like I think they're watching like an opera or something. And so she's very like she looks very well made up. Um, not like her usual self, mm-hmm. but her rat tail is sticking out and he like picks it up and he's like, what is this? And it's like, <laughs> it could, it had the potential of being very cringy, but I think it's very well done. And of course we talked about the movies. So a lot of soundtracks to many films of the eighties provided a platform for new wave bands. The Breakfast Club has this, the song, uh, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Mm-hmm. It's a very iconic scene where he like puts his hand up yeah. like this. Mm-hmm. There's Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the song Oh Yeah (laughs) by Yellow. Uh, That is one of my favorite movies, and I really wanted to watch it the other day, and it was on no streaming platform that we have access to. 
I'll get it for you. <laughs> <laughs> you get it for me somehow. You know what? I think I'm going to be a good librarian and get it from my library. I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that movie. There's uh, Valley Girl, which soundtrack features modern English, psychedelic furs, and sparks. And a lot of other movies at that time, uh, The Last American Virgin featured, featured several new wave songs from Blondie, The Human League, and The Waitresses. All right, so now that we've talked about like the history and the fashion, the other elements that surround new wave, is there anything that you want to say, Drew? I know that you're not really like, you've probably only know a lot of new wave songs from... Media. <laughs> from... Movies. Your grocery store shifts. That too, yeah. <laughs> when I worked as a cashier in a grocery store, there was like certain nights where they would play a bunch of just like blondie, like a bunch of eighties hits. And I was like, those are my favorite shifts. I was like, oh yeah, this this is my these are my jams. <laughs> and they were I would work like until midnight at the grocery store I worked. That like eight to midnight yeah those four hours would be just like 80s songs and i was like ah, this is great <laughs> and then you have me at the other side of the store being like not this song again <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so let's just let's just get into it let's play some music and uh we'll add our commentary okay so let's get started the first song that we're gonna play is psycho killer by talking heads <laughs> popular song that's played at halloween parties all around the world (laughs) yes when i i used to work at a carpet store uh basically like persian rugs and my two co-workers that i worked with really loved like the talking heads and other like new wave artists but the talking heads like we all discovered that we (laughs) we all Mm -hmm. love the talking heads so my boss would play talking heads in the office all the time but they're one of my favorite bands so i i was obviously not upset with that next song that we're gonna play is the cars just what i needed Standing oh so near, I kinda lose my mind. 
Yes. What would you want to say? No, I just realized the song at that last. Right <laughs> I knew you were gonna know it because this is a really popular <laughs> song. <laughs> That's why I wanted to skip to the chorus. <laughs> but yeah, um, for some reason, like this song was like super popular on like classic rock radios, mm-hmm. uh, at least when I was a kid. So much so to the point where like I just was like I don't like the Cars. <laughs> then my dad and sister really liked them, and they would play them, and I'd be like, no, I don't like them. But now I realize how good they are. <laughs> like I listened to this whole album the other day, and I was like, this is a really good album. And I was, I and my whole life I've just been not a fan. See what happens when you're a stubborn kid. And also when things get overplayed on the radio. I'm joking, but yeah, I was um, I was just being a dumb kid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was just reading in the uh, book, the Encyclopedia of New Wave, and apparently, like, New Wave was dismissed by a lot of rock fans for a long time, but the cars were very popular with people who listened to, like, hard rock. Very interesting. I didn't know that. Mm. It makes sense. They are, are a little bit more rock-oriented. Yeah. No, but it's a great song. All right, let's play it. So you can definitely hear like the disco influences in that song. Yeah. And okay, next song we're going to play. This is My Sharona by The Knack. that one yeah. also not one of my favorites sorry knack <laughs> <laughs> but one of my favorites is devo i could probably play the entire album but i won't do that but this is the first song on are we not men we are devo it's called uncontrollable urge and it has more of like a punk vibe so you'll see their influences
So that's Uncontrollable Urge, but their most popular song is called Whip It. Now, I remember the you? song itself too. Of course, both, both their songs. Like I keep on forgetting it's them. <laughs> yeah, so that's Whip It. Okay, next is another very popular song. This is Rock Lobster by the B-52s. <laughs> The next song I want to play is Rapture by Blondie. So this is a song that sort of, it said that it brought rap to mainstream white audiences. Um, and I'm going to play it for you. Hold on. as you see <laughs> she is rapping <laughs> yeah so it's a combination of new wave disco hip-hop with a rap section forming an extended coda <laughs> that sounded like a rapping clip from a disney plus movie <laughs> well it's okay this song is from 1981 so that's what a lot of rap sounded back in like yeah, back in the day a white long go to it <laughs> 
That, but that's what it like. That's literally why they said it brought rap to mainstream white audiences. It's like she, this blonde white girl, is rapping, mm-hmm. and it's, it becomes popular. And in the song as well, they're referencing Fab Five Freddy and Grandmaster Flash. So they're referencing hip hop artists, and the song was the first major hip hop song to use original music rather than samples, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess that's why. <laughs> okay, so Andrew <laughs> remembered this song while I was playing Rapture. Yeah, so the song like interpolates Rapture and it's called Step Into a World in brackets Rapture's Delight. So referencing some uh, one of the first hip hop songs. Exactly. <laughs> okay, let's continue with our new wave playlist. Okay, so the next song I want to play is so uh, this is the it's this is Once in a Lifetime and it we were talking about the African polyrhythms. This is the song that has it. Okay, the reason that Drew knows the song is because Jay-Z sampled it in With a song Memphis called Luke. It's Alright. So if you're interested, you should listen to that one. Alright, okay, next song that I'm going to play. So this is a band called Oingo Boingo called Weird Science. From my heart and from my head, why do people understand my intention? Very 80s. <laughs> yeah, very 80s. That's true. Okay, and then another very 80s song. This is Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. Oh, yeah. Classic. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, I think we all know it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Another big song of this era. This is Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. For some reason, I had never heard the beginning of the song, and I was like, what is this country song? Like, what is this? (laughs) Okay, continuing. My mom was like a teenager in the 80s mm-hmm. and she really liked Boy George. And um, there is a picture of my mom. I don't know if it's her prom picture, but like she's wearing just the most quintessential 80s black lacy dress with the big shoulder pads. Her hair is teased like the most majestic mm-hmm. 80s hairstyle you've ever seen. And she looks iconic. Looks great. She does. She, mom, if you're listening, you are an 80s queen. Still are to this day. No, I'm joking. <laughs> she doesn't dress like that anymore. But in that picture, she was. And if I find it, I'll, I'll with my mom's permission, I'll post it on the Instagram. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to mention that because whenever I think of Boy George, I think of my mom. <laughs> Cute. Okay. Next song I'm going to play is Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by The Eurythmics. Or just Eurythmics. too much of it because i think we all know it but like i was really confused when i heard this was a new wave song because i really thought that this was from the 90s just because it was played so much in the 90s that in my head i was like oh yeah this is from like 1990 something (laughs) no i was completely (laughs) wrong i don't know why i thought that (laughs) i just remember it being played so much when i was a kid that i just thought oh this is from the 90s Mm. all right next uh this is another band that i really like this is in excess another very 80s band Um, this one is Need You Tonight. Yeah. So slide 
soon as it started playing, you were like, oh yeah, this song. <laughs> <laughs> That's most songs for me. Yeah, most songs from the 80s. It's like, oh yeah, this very popular song. That whole album, Kick, is really, really good. I, I my One of my favorites is Mediate. I'll just play a little bit of it. Sounds very similar. Mm-hmm. But it's different. I, uh, I really like the music video for this one. It's very simple, like a lot of 80s videos, but like he's just literally standing there pulling these cards that say the words that all rhyme with mediate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the entire yeah, video. <laughs> okay, next is uh, Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club. We talked about this in the R&B episode. Hmm. So obviously this was used in that Mariah Carey song mm-hmm. as well as uh, Lotto. And this is actually a side, like the Tom Tom Club is a side project of two members of Talking Heads, a husband and wife team, Chris France and Tina Weymouth. Mm. Isn't that cute? That's very cute. Yeah. So that's Tom Tom Club. Okay. The next artist is a very famous artist, Cindy Lauper. Mm. I think we all know one of our biggest songs, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yes. Which is true. That's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to play that one. I'm going to play uh, another really big one by her, Time After Time. the song for like the dance in Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things is like set in the 80s. And this song is called Down Under by Men at Work. Mm-hmm. 
So obviously Down Under being Australia. This is an Australian band, mm-hmm. <laughs> if anyone didn't know. Um, so we have men at work, but then we have men without hats. This is the safety dance. original version and I just realized that I actually probably know the other version but anyways in either case it's a great song Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay uh next one of my all-time favorite bands I have so many favorite bands apparently but this is (laughs) this is new order uh this one is bizarre love triangle lot of very popular songs uh their biggest one is probably uh blue monday but i really want to play this song it's called dreams never end and it's on their first album that's a cool riff
Andrew just said that that sounds like The Cure. And I just realized that as you said that, that's so funny. I'm not playing The Cure on this episode because I'm saving them for a different episode. Even though they're considered new wave, I also really love The Cure and Andrew really loves The Cure too. <laughs> new Order formed after the lead singer of Joy Division passed away and then the rest of the members created New Order. And the difference between Joy Division and New Order is like, I mean, there's still a lot of similarities, but like New Order is a lot more happier and like poppier, whereas Joy Division was a lot more like it was right after it was post-punk pretty much. So they sound very different. A lot more like gothic, I would say, like dark. So yeah, that's a really good song. It's called Dreams Never End. I also want to play Gary Newman. This song is called Cars. lyrics <laughs> it reminds me of you what <laughs> because here in my car i feel safe of safest of all i can lock all my doors <laughs> it's the only way to live in cars that's it's, you on your lunch breaks that's my quiet safe space yeah that's where you take your little naps you used to not relax now my new job yeah but um you likes to. his car it's his sanctuary <laughs> Okay, we have a special request from Andrew because my dad played him this song once and he really liked it. Called Space Age Love Song by A Flock of Seagulls. remember why my dad played this now because this sounds similar to angels and airwaves exactly. <laughs> and i think you were like showing it to him and he's like oh this reminds me of yeah, a flock of seagulls yeah. i find tom delong's music and like especially angels and airwaves he has this very because i just looked up the genre of what angels and airwaves is considered and it said space rock which is very yeah, they're funny beginning. now they're less that they're less that now but it's funny because it, but he's also very influenced by 80s bands, yeah. Tom DeLonge. Yeah. So, he liked the yeah. new wave with Stadium mixed together. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That, that was a good, that's a good song, A Flock of Seagulls. They're known for like the weird haircuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like one random strip down here and then two at the top. All right, um, next song, We Gotta Play Video Killed the Radio Star. This was the first music video that was ever played on MTV. It's by The Buggles. It's considered a one-hit wonder.
Wait, have you ever heard this song? No. No way. That's so funny. I, w- I would have thought you'd have known it. But no. um, <laughs> this song, I wanted to say that it was used in a song by Nicki Minaj and uh, Is It Will I Am? And I like that song a lot too. Wait, I have to look it up. Yeah, a song called Check It Out by Will I Am and Nicki Minaj uses the song as a sample. Wait, I have to play the chorus. I only noticed the like bass part of the song, like like I only noticed that because of this song, and then I re-listened to Video Kill the Radio Star, and I'm like, oh yeah, I hear it now. Not the beginning. No. Okay, next song. Okay, let's play Material Girl by Madonna. Okay. <laughs> what was with that? Okay. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm not a material girl. No. It's when I was in grade two. My oh. classmates played this a lot. Your classmates? Why are they playing this song? There was like a free period in a day where I, these two specific classmates that I used to play the songs and sing it in front of the class for like two months straight. <laughs> but this is a really fun song. I think for little kids no, Imagine too. like two, three months straight seeing your two friends slash classmates. Like... For the rest of your life, you're like, freaking Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song. I'm sorry, but I really like this song. <laughs> you gotta love Madonna. Okay, uh, I didn't play a lot of The Police, and The Police is obviously a huge band, like one of the most popular bands mm-hmm. of the 80s. Yeah. I'm just going to play one. Sorry to any Police fans. I like them. It's just that, yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is Message in a Bottle.
um what did i want to say about this song again oh yeah it was that we talked about like blondie some of their songs and like brought rap and reggae to mainstream audiences mm-hmm. but i think po- the police had a lot of reggae influences in yeah. their music i remember learning about that in my popular music class mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got to end this playlist with uh this song of course it's a perfect song to end this playlist to and you'll know why once i start playing it all right Obviously, I had to play that one because that was famously used as the last song oh, yeah. in uh, The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to say about uh, New Wave? What are your impressions? Well, didn't personally listen to it myself, but I knew a lot of people that sang it and liked it when I was in primary school. So I do have some sort of nostalgic feeling to it, but I know pretty, pretty much every single song that we played today. Just didn't know, like the artists or the titles always yeah well i definitely played a lot of like the most popular songs just because i like knew that that's what people were gonna know but the genre there's just so many good there's so much good music i'm biased though because i really like new wave so um obviously i'm so is media and the film industry that always uses songs. Yeah, I mean, it was huge in the 80s, and that's when MTV started, and they would just play all the new wave mu- music videos all the time. And I feel like now the reason that it's playing so much in, like, because we worked at grocery stores, and, like, you go into any grocery stores, you're down to hear, like, a 80s song and a new wave 80s song, and that's because the people that shop at grocery stores grew up in the 80s and will remember it. And so they want that like nostalgic feeling when you're shopping in the stores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so like there's a there's a huge fan base for it. Um, and yeah, the 80s, man. Weird time. Weird time that I was born in. So that's great. <laughs> that's true. You were born at like the end of the new wave era. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, thanks everyone for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Yes, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please give us your feedback, your suggestions, if there's any genres that you want us to play next, because obviously we're playing a lot of our favorites here. (laughs) But I am open to any genre of music. This podcast is called I Listen to Everything for a Reason, because I want to listen to everything and I want to play everything. So if you have any suggestions or something that you're like, oh, maybe she didn't think of this, please give them to me and I I will dive deep and I will play those songs for you. Just like I did with Hyper Pump. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that 
that just started pulling out of nowhere. I didn't touch nothing. It was the perfect cue. It was it was sending me out. (laughs) Telling you to shut up. (laughs) I should have just kept it and been like, "That's the end." Okay, bye everyone. Bye.